This is On Location. I'm Tim Leitner. Today's episode comes to you on location in Ohio, Indiana, and New York. But first, On Location is produced by the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Mamlin and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. In this episode, Nick Palos leads a discussion with child support leaders who help shepherd the Eastern Regional Interstate Child Support Association, better known as ERICSA, Tommy Howard and Mike McGuire. Join them as they discuss NCS sister organization, ERICSA, their leadership, what they strive to do, and the challenges that they have faced during their tenure. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. And for those of you listening who do not know me, I am a support magistrate in Brooklyn, New York. Today, I am delighted to be the host of this episode of NCA On Location. On this episode, we are on location in Indianapolis, Indiana, Lebanon, Ohio, and of course, Brooklyn, New York. Today, I have the distinct honor and high privilege to lead a discussion with two child support leaders who helped shepherd the Eastern Regional Interstate Child Support Association through two canceled in-person conferences, a virtual family reunion, a virtual road trip, and a virtual annual meeting of the association. All events that happened for the first time through ERICSA. Tommy Howard is the current president of ERICSA, having taken office at the conclusion of the ERICSA virtual road trip this past May. In his non-association life, he is the first assistant prosecutor and director of the Warren County Ohio Child Support Enforcement Agency. As you can tell, Tommy is an attorney, having received his Juris Doctorate from the University of Dayton Law School in 2004. He was admitted to the Ohio Bar that same year, and in 2005, he was admitted to the U.S. Federal Bar, meaning he can also appear in federal courts. Tommy is a recognized subject matter expert on the Uniform Interstate Family Support Act and has coordinating border meetings for Ohio. Prior to becoming ERICSA's president, he was the president-elect, the vice president for policy and legislation, and a member of ERICSA's board of directors. Tommy has presented at numerous state and regional conferences. 
Mike McGuire is Eryxer's immediate past president, having completed an abbreviated term as president at the conclusion of the virtual road trip. Mike has been a deputy prosecuting attorney for the Child Support Division of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office since 1997, was promoted to assistant supervisor for the Child Support Division in 2011, and was named division supervisor in January 2021. To both of you, congratulations on your promotions. Prior to his term as current role in, as a Richard's immediate past president, Mike served as president, president-elect, and vice president of exhibitors and sponsors, and as a member of the board of Arixa. He serves on several Arixa committees and has served as a chairperson of the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council Child Support Committee. He's also served as vice chair of that committee as a member of the committee. On behalf of NCIA, I welcome both of you to the program. What I would like to ask each of you to begin with is how did you initially get involved in Erickson? Tommy, as president, I will give you the first crack. Uh, thanks, Nick, and thanks for having us this afternoon. I got started with Erickson in 2007. That was the first conference I attended. That was in, I believe, Norfolk, Virginia. At the time, Cindy Lucas was the Erickson president. Cindy had been in charge of the Ohio uh, Central Registry, so I had known her through working U.S. cases here in Ohio. Um, I attended every conference after that, first one in 2007, and then uh, uh, sometime around probably 2015, 2016, Pat Quinn nominated me for the board of directors, and so after I gone to the board of directors, I Eventually, Pat moved on to become president-elect, and I was elected the VP of Policy and Legislation, served that capacity for three years, and then moved on to president-elect and now president. And Mike, how did you become involved in ERISA? Initially, I just was sent by my office to the conference in Detroit and then the conference in Cincinnati, just as a, a newer deputy. I think it was less than five years at that time. And then where really this turning point started was in 2008. I went to the uh, conference in Memphis and I, I stayed after a session that was one of the presenters was the late Pat Quinn. I had a great conversation with Pat who encouraged me and said, look, if you'd like to have a career and make a difference, uh, in child support, you've got to get beyond your office to learn the ideas. This is a great group to work on. You should consider it. Uh, it was still a couple of years until Erixa came to Indianapolis and in the planning conference in 2011. Uh, I did not know it at the time. My boss said, hey, I want to send you to this as we plan for Indianapolis, that he, John Owens, and Susan Schrader, who was the president, I think, that year, or the president-elect that year, had already talked about that they wanted me to get more involved. And after the 2012 conference was a success here in Indianapolis, I joined the board in 2013, spent a few years on the board, and then I served three years as the vice president of the exhibitors and sponsors, which was just a wonderful role to learn about the organization and all of our different partners. And then I spent actually 17 months as president-elect. Uh, working with uh, Pat Quinn during what was, I would say, a very difficult time. And then I spent uh, seven great months as president of this great organization. And I think that all of those have taught me one thing about Arixa. We are family and that there's nothing we can't overcome. And we are full of ideas and excitement. And I look forward to the future of child support and Arixa. And Nick, I want to thank you very much and Incia very much for having Tommy and I on today so that we could talk about 
not only a Rixa, but child sport in general, I think, which is both near and dear to both Tommy and I, as, in both in our professional career and our personal. So thank you. Well, we are definitely glad to have both of you on. You are both leaders in the area and definitely helped shepherd Rixa through some crazy times. I mean, 2019 through 20 and 20. 20 through 2021. For our listeners who don't know, Erixo works on a conference to conference calendar. So when we say 19 to 20, we mean the conference from 2019, but it would have been the conference in 2020 and the conference in 2020 to the conference in 2021. And it really was a bizarre time. I think, as you mentioned, Mike, you were 17 months as the president-elect. I believe that is the longest-tenured president-elect that we have had and the shortest-serving president that Eriksa has had. What did you learn about your own capabilities during that time period? I think for, for me personally, I, I learned I'm a little more flexible and adaptable than maybe I thought I was. Uh, having to uh, try to plan two in-person conferences that ended up eventually being canceled as well as then uh, turning the page very quickly to plan a virtual conference and that. But I also learned in those 17 months just the necessity and the power of, of being a good leader from Pat Quinn. Because while I served as president-elect for 17 months, after the conference was canceled in May of that year, Pat and I worked together. Pat wanted to make sure that I, you know, even though I wasn't officially the president and I was involved in all of the decisions and things, and he, you know, he had a vision for where we wanted to go, and uh, he led that way, and it was just fascinating to watch the whole organization. Pat, as he was good at the you know, single focus was to protect the organization as well as our members for safety and otherwise. So, as I said, I just learned that we have an extraordinary group of folks, not only in the Rixa, but in the child support community. We kept being flexible and adapting to every challenge, and I think we did it successfully. And Tommy, at the time that all of this was initially happening, you were the vice president for policy and legislation. In that particular role, how did you respond to all of the twists and turns that we had to go through? Well, when I was uh, going through being VP at PNL, we were still doing our meetings monthly. A lot of our meetings turned into discussing how all of us as professionals in our own offices, how we were responding to the uh, pandemic. That ended up taking a lot of the focus. But then also once the uh, on the federal side, there was some legislation regarding responses to the pandemic. Then we were looking at whether or not Rixa wanted to get involved in drafting uh, letters and support and that sort of thing. PNL, for those who don't know, and for Rixa, is heavily involved in keeping uh, kind of the finger on the pulse of uh, federal legislation and weighing in when we feel necessary to support different acts that are going through the legislation process. But again, once the pandemic hit, then we were spending a lot of time sharing ideas as far as running our own offices. And I can tell you that following those footsteps was a difficult job to do for the person who followed you. And I'm sure you had the same feeling when you succeeded Pat. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, the great thing about Rex, as Mike had kind of touched on, is we all work really well as a team. And I remember when Pat, when he uh, moved on from being VP of P&L, he was a good resource and was always there, you know, offering any help they could in the transition. And, you know, you know, Nick now 
you know, you became the VP of PNL. You know, we had you know numerous you know, emails back and forth and discussing of ideas. It's really it's always humbling to see how much work that all of us professionals put into Arixa in addition to our normal jobs. Well, I think this leads to a very interesting line of thought, and that is the, the need for the organizations and the individuals and our various parts in the child support community to actually cooperate with each other. Mike, what did you learn about that during the pandemic period and going forward? Well, I, I think you're 100% correct. And I think we, we have a level of cooperation when it comes to not only the various child support organizations, uh, the local staff, county and federal, as well as our, our vendor partners that we didn't have prior to the pandemic. Uh, one of the reasons is the presidents of uh, NCA, the, the Tribal National Tribal Association, WICSEC and ERICSA, all got together with the National Director of Child Support to meet every two weeks to discuss issues, to see what was going on, to make sure that how we could help one another. That continues today. And I can tell you when I joined those meetings in November after Pat had talked about them, they're invaluable to keep us connected. And we're all reaching out to different groups and we're able to hear things, but we also have to keep in mind that we've got to work with our state and local partners as well as our vendors to make sure that we're providing the best training out there. Uh, and if we can provide the best training that, that helps the public uh, immeasurably and to provide a, a forum for new ideas or, or ideas that, you know, little laboratories maybe that we can try out new ideas in the child support community. So I think that the one benefit of the pandemic was greater cooperation among groups that while helped each other, were not always as communicative as they are now. As I said, the, the, I think it's just been an invaluable uh, tool now. And I think it will continue in the future as we all continue to develop and, and figure out how the, the child support world works going forward. And Tommy, have you attended any of these high-level meetings already? I have. Uh, you know, Pat Quinn always referred to them as the Mount Rushmore meetings. And uh, we had one earlier today. I completely echo sentiments of Mike. They're invaluable. The National Conference of Child Support Directors, these had their first in-person meeting, the first one since the pandemic last week. And so Jim Fleming was on the call today and uh, telling us about the experience that they had uh, doing their conference in person and uh you know nc has got their leadership symposium coming up next week wixec has their virtual conference coming up in the fall so it's just a great tool for us to get on these calls and kind of cross out ideas and start you know discussing our plans for our own organizations going forward so let me ask about those plans tommy um 2022, live or virtual? Uh, we plan on being live uh, May 23rd through 27th, 2022 in New Orleans in the French Quarter. Before we get there, we'll have uh, an intergovernmental training uh, event. We have that scheduled. That'll be virtual August 25th. And yeah, we just had our virtual conference back in May and we had approximately a thousand attendees. What was great is the people who were attendees to our virtual conference, they get a free pass for the intergovernmental training event coming up in August. And for that virtual conference, now Tommy, at that point, you were the president-elect, so that was your job planning it. Correct. Did you, did you find it different than what you expected when you first, 
offered yourself up as president-elect? Yes. Uh, you know, when we did, we did our conference planning meeting in the fall and that was virtual and that was kind of, you know, a hurdle in itself of how we could do a virtual conference planning meeting, which was then followed up with a board meeting, but we pulled it off, I would say seamlessly. But at that point, we were still planning for an in-person conference for our spring. But then due to, you know, the continuation of the pandemic, we had to eventually switch gears and realize that it was going to be an impossibility of hosting an in-person conference this year. And so we switched gears and started looking at, originally we had 45 workshops planned for in-person. We had to start looking at those closely and figure out which ones would lend themselves better to a virtual presentation and which ones should probably be held back until we could all get back together. Um, so it was definitely different um, from what I initially thought we were going to do, but yeah, Rick said, due to great work and cooperation and also, you know, help from our sister organizations responded to the changes and I think end up pulling off a very great virtual conference. In 2019, I believe it was the conference in Niagara Falls, the first time we did an interjurisdictional fair as part of the ERICSA conference. Mike, how did COVID affect our plans for that going forward? Well, I, I think one of the things is, as I talked about earlier, is adapting. So one of the things early on in the pandemic when we were looking at a conference in May of 2020 was that we didn't want to put everybody in a room. So the interjurisdictional fair in 2020 became an idea that we would team up with WICSEC, who originally had the idea uh, and had been doing it for a number of years at their virtual conference in, I believe it was September of 2020. And it was uh, just a tremendous success. We had more people attend than we would have if we were in person. Uh, everybody seemed to enjoy that. And it was a way to safely get the information we needed to the various people on the different states and territories. And so in 2021, the discussion was, well, do we continue that? Again, we originally were planning to be in New Orleans in 2021 when that got pushed to a virtual conference in May. It was decided by the WICSEC and ERICSA that instead this year we would put on and not just one, but I think it's either three or four interjurisdictional affairs, one which I believe is actually this afternoon where we can have different groups come on and it's free to our members to sit down and learn about the various states with different kinds of questions. So again, it shows that we, we're willing to adapt to meet the needs of the people that we are trying to train and reach. And we just have some incredible people who are willing to think outside the box in 2020, I think showed us we could do this. And I think we'll continue to expand those services in 2021 and 2022 going forward. I, I think people like to be able to do training from their office. Uh, they still like to go in person, but I think they like to do some training from their office. So in going forward then, Tommy, do you have any plans beyond planning for the conference in New Orleans for the rest of your term in that idea of other types of training? Uh, we're always looking for other ways. And as Mike said, you know, we'll get through our IG training event in uh, the end of August and see, you know, the response that we got to that. I, you know, just on preliminary side, you know, we've already got some really positive feedback. People are, you know, thankful that we're doing it. So it could be possible that in between the August event and 
next May when we do our in-person, that we have another event. So, Mike, how does an individual actually get involved in ERICSA? Uh, well, there are, there are a few different there are a few different ways. One is always to attend the conference. Uh, that's the easiest to meet the most people. That makes you a member of the organization. And that and we changed our bylaws in response to the pandemic. So if we do do virtual, then also a virtual conference and in person conference both make you a member of ERICSA. Uh, you could decide to sign up for ERICSA to be a member for, by paying twenty five dollars. You could also we send out different blasts and other things about joining a committee. So if you've attended a RICSA conference and say, hey, I like this, I would like to know more, I, I encourage everybody to join a committee. We have a list of, I think it's 15 committees that there's got to be something on there that interests you. Please join up, participate. It's generally one, one call a month. Uh, you may get assigned some duties and things, but learn about the organization. I think once you learn about our organization or any of the child support organizations, I think you'll want to get more involved because the ideas that come out of these meetings and these conferences are extraordinary. I can always take back to my office and have been doing it for years, ideas to improve our office or to make changes to think to better serve the public. And that's what we're here for. Uh, and I think one of the ways that we need people to get involved is to figure out what is the future of child support. And by that, I mean is how do we communicate with the people that are now needing our services who maybe are below the age of 30 and things who do their communication different than we've always done it. We need people to get involved, talk these ideas out. How do we continue to make the program relevant and, and, and beneficial to the people that we serve? And the one way to do that is to get into these organizations and to join and to participate. So let me take this even a step further back. I'm gonna ask you each this question. Tommy, why child support is a career? For me, child support ended up being a career because uh, luckily, for me anyways, I always was interested in family law. And then I was also interested in being a prosecutor. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to end up in the county where the child support agency is administered by prosecutor. Uh, so I could uh, touch on both of those bases. But then once I got in the program, it, to me, what kept me is you can see that you're making a positive impact in the lives of families. And those are just the ones that you actually get any type of feedback from. But then to think of how many, you know, countless other families that all of us in the child support program have helped that will never know, you know, that it just, you know, it fills that need of feeling like that you're making a difference with your career. Mike? Well, I actually came to child support a little bit by accident. I uh, knew I always wanted to not only be an attorney, but a but be a prosecutor from the seventh grade on. I graduated law school in 95. The, the market was not good. Uh, I ended up in private practice for almost two years. And I got a job interview with the Marion County Prosecutor's Office to be a criminal prosecutor, which was the goal I had. However, they didn't really have any openings. And so they sent me over to child support. I met John Owens and had a, I thought a really good interview and they gave me a, an opportunity. Uh, but once I got into doing child support on a daily basis, I recognized a couple of things as I looked around. The first one was that and there are not a lot of people, whether an attorney or otherwise, that can say is if I work really hard in a given day, I had to help somebody. As Tommy said, I may not know who it was. 
I may not know the numerous people that I help, but I help somebody in that given day, and that's pretty good to go home to. And, and quite frankly, Nick, I I have I have been blessed in my nearly 24 years in the Marion County Prosecutor's Office to work with some of the most extraordinary people that I've ever met. And I continue to do child support because I think I can make a difference, and I just enjoy working with the people every day that I come to work with. Yeah, I think that is one of the interesting things. We never really know who we may be helping because it may be cases that are sort of interconnected or you may resolve the problem on one case, but because of the way families have become so intertwined, you may also wind up helping two or three other families just by helping this one family. So it is an interesting area where we're not, where we're dealing with the lives of people. And when we talk about people, which I think is Eric's greatest asset, every organization dealing with training or putting out a product has a target audience. Tommy, who's Arixa's target audience? I, I think Arixa does a great job of hitting not only the line staff, but having something for everybody that's involved in the child support, child support program. So from line staff all the way up to the case managers, to the directors, uh, to um, you know the people in the federal office. I, I don't know if I could pinpoint and say that our target is just one audience. I think we do do a great job of reaching out and giving good information to the line staff, though. So with 2000, I know in October, Erixa has the conference planning meeting down in New Orleans. Besides planning the curriculum, what else goes into planning a conference? Well, I mean, we have various committees, so we have our on-site committee that are going to plan all of the food, the breaks, they're going to plan activities uh, in order to give our members the best experience they can in person. So it, it may be we've done a variety of activities from when we were in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we went to the chocolate factory, uh, which was everybody got a tour, make their own chocolate bar. They try and come up with something unique for that particular area for one night, or depending on it, there may be, there'll be some president, the president's reception. There'll be some other things that are going on during that time. Uh, that we have an on-site committee for. Our exhibitors and sponsors uh, are planning, are beginning their planning to figure out what our charity is going to be. Uh, Rixa always does a charity at a conference. Whether or not we'll do a silent auction or a raffle to raise money for them, they'll be starting their thoughts on how to collect items and things for donation, as well as what do we offer our vendors and our sponsors and exhibitors if we have an exhibit hall. Uh, and that's just an incredible, uh, rewarding experience to work with that group to figure out what it is they need to be able to give the information to our members, but also to see how much time and energy they put into a RICSA and the child support community as well. And one of the decisions we'll probably have to make this year, uh, I should say Tommy and Laura Stafford will probably have to do, is will we have a traditional exhibit hall uh, in, you know, when we, were, when we were in New Orleans in 2022? Those are decisions we wouldn't even have thought of prior to the pandemic, but now we have to consider what size of room and things like that as we look at the hotel. And Tommy, if you could pick one thing out that you want everyone to remember your tenure as president for, what would it be? Well, I hope to accomplish for Rixa is to get us back to an in-person uh, conference in May of next year. I, you know, looking back, I'm definitely very proud of the work that Mike and myself and then the team put into pulling off the virtual conference in May of this year. 
you know, there's countless number of hours that everyone put into making sure that helped. And, uh, you know, I couldn't mention the virtual conference while also mentioning uh, MGR, Karina and Melissa provide so much support to us to make sure that that was a success. Yeah, that's that's my goal as uh, president of ERICSA is to be able to pull off uh, getting us back in person and do it in a safe way in this new world that we're all living in. And Mike, are there any future plans for um, something that you would like to see done with ERICSA that you weren't able to accomplish in your term as president? Uh, I, I think for for me, the, the thing I would like to see is, and this is something we're starting this year, is to offer more training throughout the year, maybe more specialized. And again, virtually uh, is great, uh, I think, to, to allow more people to see what Rix is all about. So if we could get it to two or three trainings a year plus the conference, I would love to see that because I think... We provide world-class training, and the more people that we can train, the better it is for the entire child sport community. Well, I think it's been a very interesting discussion on where Rix has come from, where we, where it is going, and where it may go in the future. So I'm going to borrow a page from a different podcast that I listen to and sort of change it a little to reflect this. I want each of you to think about and then answer this question. If there is one person in the child support world that you could have dinner with tomorrow. Who would it be, and what would you like to speak to them about? And it doesn't. It could be a person who's either currently alive or somebody who has passed. Who would like to try that one first? Well, Nick, I, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I would love to have dinner one more time with Pat Quinn. That would be the first person I would think of because not only is he knowledgeable about child support, he was just a tremendous person to talk to. Uh, when I got my promotion, I don't know that anybody was more excited than Pat Quinn. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversations. And Pat was an individual who I, as I said before, I don't know that he ever said no to anybody. So I would love to sit and talk about the Steelers Colts. I'd love to talk about anything with Pat one more time. Tommy? Yeah, I, I think, you know, everyone involved with the child sport program that got to know Pat would uh, like to have that one more conversation with him. Um, but I took that one, I, I guess probably, gosh, if I had to think about it, maybe Felix and Fausto, because Arixa has the Felix and Fausto award that we present every year. And of course, he is uh time in the child support program definitely predated my time in the program but uh maybe have a conversation with him and pick his brain and get his insight on you know how the intergovernmental child support world has evolved over the decades it would be an interesting discussion it would have been nice if we would have this kind of technology back then or at least some forethought to be able to at least capture the memory beforehand start capturing our institutional memory as a child support community so that in the future we can go back and hear what these people have to, have to say but that's that's a project for another time and maybe each organization should think about something like that so we've been speaking with tommy howard and mike mcguire the president and immediate past president of ericsa respectively and i'm going to give you each a couple of minutes now to sort of make a final statement if you would like to 
Let the world know what you're thinking right now and what you think Arutsu can do for everybody else. Uh, Mike, is it Ted for it? You can go first. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> you know, right now I'm just I'm constantly wondering what's next for Arixa and what's next for the Child Support Program. As I said, I think that uh, Arixa is well positioned to meet the challenges that are ahead. One of those being the ability to communicate what we can do and, and how we can help folks and to realize and help everybody realize that, again, we have a lot of cases in this country with child support on it. There are still people and family in those files, and that's what we need to focus on. I think that's what Arixa focuses on with its training. Uh, and I think that as the child support community, that's what we need to focus on. How do we help families? And I think we're in the right direction, but I'm curious to see where the next 10 years leads for both Arixa and the child support community. Tommy? I would uh, say, you know, if any of the listeners have not been to an Arixa conference, you know, to try to make that on their short list of things to do in their career, I think that will definitely come away from the Arixa conference. One with new contacts is one thing that's great is everyone involved in Arixa and comes to our conferences are very willing to share their contact information which is often invaluable when you're processing your own governmental cases. Uh, also, you'll come, in, come away with uh, something, you'll learn something that you didn't know going in. You know, a good way to get started is while we're, you know, still going through the pandemic as we've got our intergovernmental training event coming up on August 25th is sign up for that day and come and listen to, we've got six different workshops going uh, that day and uh, give us a give us a chance to uh, help improve your experience in your child support program. Well, gentlemen, I would like to thank you for your time. I know you both have busy schedules, but both for Erixa and in your day jobs. So thank you on behalf of NCA for taking some time out to speak with us today. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. On Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your ratings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Mamlin and me. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location. <laughs>